Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Well, we're three days into 2021, and it doesn't seem much better than 2020 at the moment, does it? But uh, some new restrictions have come in for us. But I wonder what kind of year it's going to be for you. Uh, I'm not really one of those people who likes to make New Year's resolutions. I suppose if I were to do something, it'd probably be lose a couple of kilo, maybe get a little bit more fit than I am. But there are plenty of people who have some serious resolutions that they make at the beginning of a new year, things that they want to do, things that they want to achieve, uh, find a new job, quit smoking, learn a different language, uh, learn to play a musical instrument. Now, I'm the first to admit that the Bible has absolutely nothing to say about New Year's resolutions, not a single mention anywhere in the whole Bible. So I don't certainly don't want to give the impression that Christians should make New Year's resolutions, but the Bible has a lot to say about what we should want for each other and what we should want for ourselves in our Christian lives. So the passage that we're looking at this morning I think is a great one. It's that passage from Ephesians, uh, starting at verse 15 in chapter 1 and going through to the end of that chapter. If you had to make some New Year's resolutions, this is a perfect place to think about that, what it is that we should want for ourselves and what it is that we should want for others. So what is it that Paul says he wants for the Ephesian church? Well, it's there in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Just two things in there. Verse 17, he says he wants them to know God better. And the second thing is he wants them to know, wants them to truly understand the hope that they have because of Jesus. What is in store for them because of what Jesus has done. Now, before we go any further, it's probably important to understand who this letter is being written to. Paul is writing to a group of people who already do know God through Jesus. They're already Christians. And it's not that Paul says, look, you don't know God. Gee, I wish you did know God. They already know God. 
In fact, look at what he says just at the beginning of that passage, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. When I heard about your faith, I was excited, Paul says. I'm thanking God for the faith that you've got. This is a group of Christians that he is, that he is writing to, and his number one desire for them is that they will know God better. And then the second thing is this. It's important to know that this is actually a church that's doing pretty well. Uh, if you know your New Testament and you've read through some of the other letters to the churches like Galatians or Colossians or 1 and 2 Corinthians, then they're churches that have got some pretty huge problems, some big issues that they're facing within their churches, moral behavioural issues, heresies in the church. Paul's written some letters to some churches that are doing it really tough but not the church in Ephesus. If Paul had written to those churches and said, gee, I wish you guys knew God better, you'd understand that completely. But here is a church where there don't seem to be any major issues, heretical issues or behavioural issues, no major problems at all. Yet Paul's overwhelming desire for these people, these kind of Christians who are doing pretty well, is that they'll know God better that they'll grow in their relationship with God. See, what Paul is saying is that the Christian life is about having this personal relationship with God. Not simply knowing about God, but knowing God personally. So what Paul wants for the Ephesians is that they'll know God better, that they'll grow in that relationship. And that would be a great resolution for us to have in this coming year, wouldn't it? That we will grow to know God better, that we'll draw closer in our relationship with God in 2021. That we'll get to the end of 2021 and and feel like we know God better, that we have a, a better relationship with him than we did at the beginning of 2021. There was a verse in John's Gospel that really hit me. I didn't become a Christian until I was about 19. And I'd grown up in a Christian home, but I always had this impression that being a Christian was about just making sure that you do the right thing, uh, that God's got a list of things that he wants us to do, and if you just do those, then he's he's not going to bother you. He'll just leave you alone. And this is a verse that really struck me. It's the night before Jesus goes to the cross. He's, He's with his disciples, and this is what he prays. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And he's talking about going to the cross. For you granted him authority over all people that he may give eternal life to those you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See what he says there? That's what eternal life is. It's about knowing God and knowing Jesus. That's what the Christian life is, knowing God personally and knowing Jesus. I mean, there's plenty of people, though, who think that Christianity is really just a moral code, that it's a a list of behavioural things that you need to do those, and then you could call yourself a Christian if you're trying to do that. I remember not long after I became a Presbyterian minister, I had a guy who wanted to tell me what my job was. He said that my job, the role of the church in our society, is to instil good morals and good manners. Now, anyone who knows me will probably know I'm aiming at the good morals, 
perhaps not so good with the good manners. But that's not my job as a Presbyterian minister. I'm all in favour of good manners and good morals, but that isn't what the church exists for. Our goal as a church is to help people to know God. For those who don't know God, to enter into a relationship with him through Jesus. And for those who do know God, for them to be able to know God better, to be able to grow in that relationship. But Paul's prayer to the Ephesians doesn't stop there. It goes on in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He wants them to know the hope that God has called them to. He wants them to know, he wants them to be clear about what it is that God has in store for them, where they're heading, what their future is going to look like. Knowing that there is an eternity in store, knowing that one day we will be with God, well, that ought to pretty profoundly shape how we handle things in this life. If we know that that is what God has in store for us, then it should impact, it should change the way that we view things that happen in this life. If this life was all there is, if there was nothing at the end of this life, I think the advice would be go out and get whatever you can. I mean, just live it up, enjoy life, eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow you die. But what Paul's saying is that we have an inheritance. And if you truly know that, if you really believe that, it'll profoundly change the way that you will approach this life. Paul knows that Christians can make the mistake of thinking this is all there is. And he wants them to know just how much God has in store for them. Like Paul says right at the beginning of the letter, chapter 1, verse number 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that's what he means when he talks about storing up treasure in heaven rather than treasure here on earth. And there are repeated warnings in the Bible that this life's not about just accumulating whatever you can and just enjoying it for yourself. I mean, the parable of the rich fool tells that story. And Jesus keeps warning people not to simply store up treasures here on earth. James gives a, a pretty harsh warning in, in his letter. He says this, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. When you know just how rich you are in Jesus, when you know the inheritance that God has in store for you through Jesus, it should profoundly impact the way that you live this life. It should shape the way that you view your money and your possessions. What you see around you, your house, your possessions, your car, your bank balance, your superannuation, that's not all there is to life. In fact, that doesn't even compare to what God has in store for us. 
So that would be another helpful New Year's resolution to have, wouldn't it? To know the hope, to know better the hope to which God has called us. To have some perspective in this life. To have a clearer understanding of what God has in store for me. Now the big question is, the practical question, isn't it? If they were your two New Year's resolutions, then what are the steps that you need to take? How do you put that into practice in this coming year? If my New Year's resolution was to lose some weight, then how am I going to do it? Well, I'll sign up with Jenny Craig or I'll get a gym membership or I'll find a personal trainer or I'll start running. There'll be practical things that I can do to achieve that goal. If my goal is to know God better, then how do I go about doing that? Well, any relationship counsellor is going to tell you that there's one thing that will improve your relationship with anyone, and that's communication. And that's absolutely true when it comes to your relationship with God. You need to talk to God, and you need to listen to what God has to say. It's really that simple. We should be praying. We should be praying and and asking God to help us to know him better. We should be praying for each other that we will each know God better. We should be praying about the things that are closest to our heart. When we're praying about things, well, it means that we actually believe that God is in charge and that we trust him for the results. It's absolutely true that any relationship needs this kind of communication. If you're serious about knowing God better, then prayer really ought to be a high priority for you. But like I said, relationships are a two-way conversation, so we need to be ready to hear what God has clearly already said to us. We need to be good listeners. We need to hear what God's word says to us. If you want to know God better... If you want to find out more about what he is like, it's all there in the Bible. God's character is revealed. His expectations for us are revealed. The character that he expects from us is revealed. Starting in February, we're going to be looking at John's Gospel. So why not start reading through John's Gospel now? Why not read a chapter of the Bible every morning before your feet hit the floor in your bedroom? Wake up and... It's not going to take you too long, maybe five minutes, to read a chapter of John's Gospel. Read a chapter and pray about it. Pray about the things that you see in there. You're given this incredible picture of who Jesus is in John's Gospel. Pray before you read what it says. Ask God to help you to understand it. Pray when you've finished reading what it says. See, the more we look at what God has said to us, the the better we will know God. The more we understand how God thinks and acts, the better we'll know God. The more we recognise what it is that God has done for us, the, the better we'll know God. That's why we place a high priority on Bible study groups here in this church. They're a great place for us to be able to look at what God's word says, to be able to hear what other people have been reading, to hear what God has said to them through his word. In the next few weeks, we're going to be organising the Bible study groups again for the coming year. 
If you're not part of a group already, then come and see me or see Chris Hing and you can sign up and join one of those groups. Start of the year is a great time for us to be able to put good habits into place, habits that we're hoping will carry us through the year. The start of the year is a great time to set priorities, to decide what's most important, what you want to prioritise in this year. And Paul says that it ought to be growing in your relationship with God and better understanding the inheritance that God has in store for you. So let me just read those two verses again from Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 